I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's a new season, so we've moved to a new venue for the first of this season's Overlap Live Fan Debates, brought to you by Skybet. We've got a lot to discuss, so without further ado, let's bring in Gary Neville and Jamie Carragher. Yeah. It's good to be back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is the venue where I said that Manchester United would win a Premier League title before Liverpool four years ago. So it's not doesn't bring great memories this venue. And Mo Salah would leave. I did actually, yeah. Wow. So it's, it's, it, we're gonna change we're gonna change the vibe of this. We're yeah, let's be more positive. We're gonna start what what better way to start then talk about the Lioness's achievement. First major international trophy in 56 years. Sum, sum up their achievements for us. Absolutely incredible. I don't think anybody that watched on Sunday night, I don't think anybody who didn't watch on Sunday night, couldn't have been moved emotionally. Um, I don't know, I sat there emotional thinking, wow, what's just happened? How good a moment is this? And then realising that actually 98, 99% of us haven't paid enough attention to women's football. We've not promoted it enough. We've not celebrated it enough, um, we've been unequal, um, whether that's promoting it on our platforms, whether that's talking about it, whether that's actually, to be fair, fighting for justice. Um, part of it was that and part of it was recognising when you heard obviously all the ex-players who played for England's women's teams over the previous years talking about not getting paid up to 10 years ago and having to sort of have their own jobs and stuff like that. And I know my sister's been through that in netball where they don't get funding. And you think, wow, how, how's this been allowed to happen? But you know, Sunday was an absolute game changer and a huge moment and a, a big moment, not just for women's sport, but for sport in this country. Karen, does this change women's football and the perception of women's football forever now? Is this, is this the start of that now? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, listen, I, I think it goes back a few years I'm, from my own experience of, of actually watching England in the tournaments and, and when, uh, you know, Phil was in charge of the Lionesses then and it was a tournament, he got really close and this being, being a a home tournament, it always feels that much bigger, there's a lot more interest. Uh, it was actually Alex Greenwood who come on, she was uh, she went to, to our, my, my secondary school, she's from Bootle in Liverpool, so I'm no longer uh, the best footballer in, in, in Bootle, <laughs> or the most successful anyway, so that's certainly changed for me. But, I mean, let, let, let's be honest, we, we've, we've watched women's football in the past and, and you always you can't help it. We always seem to compare it to to the men's game, and, and we've, we've ridiculed it at different times when it uh, was going in the you know the early years. But when you're watching England in this tournament, it's not just okay. Let's get behind the INS because they're winning and it's going well, and the whole country's behind it. The actual quality of this England team and the tournament as a whole was was fantastic. And I just think now, whenever England are in a tournament, we'll all get behind it. But I think listening to to people who are, who are probably more clued up on the women's game than me is that it's not just about getting behind the big tournaments, it's, you know, watching the games week in, week out in the, uh, you know, in the Premier League. Uh, 
and can you get those attendances up? Because I think that is a, probably the, the problem at the moment in terms of you know people watching games. Yes, you can put it on TV, but can you get people into the stadiums? Now that's the big push that we need. Do you know what struck me actually? I put it out for the game that I thought it was da it was you know damned hard to do what they did, and I was actually referring to the last ten minutes of the game. Yeah, the amount of times that we have been in tournaments. I went to eight tournaments as a player and a coach. The amount of times where we've gone one nil up, even in the Euros last summer with the men, and then Italy or Germany, that type of team equalise, you think, here we go. Yeah. yeah. But not only did they actually recover from that, they then went and took the lead. But then what they did in that seven or eight minutes, Nullified keeping, the game. keeping that ball in the corner, we have never been part of England teams, and I've never seen the England team capable of doing that. That was one of the smartest, most wise last periods of a game that I've ever seen. So when I say it was damned, bloody damned hard to do, that was that bit of sort of breaking down that German mentality, coping with it. Because to be fair, we've been there, haven't we? Where it's like a force of nature. You just can't stop them. But they did that. They withstood it because it looked like they were wilting. It looked like they were tiring. Yeah. And they came back and then went and kept the ball in the corner for seven or eight minutes. That was unbelievable, that. But we used to going into starting a new season, especially after a tournament, a little bit deflated, we've lost in the final, we've gone out in the first stage of the knockouts. I mean, how excited does this make you for the new season and football in general? We've got a good feeling about football in this country now. Yeah, I think there is. I think that's always on the back of a, of a good tournament. And, and I go back to, not even when I was playing, you think of sort of, you know, Italian 90, Euro 96, the, these sort of tournaments where they just give everyone a big lift. And I think what's, what's really good about this tournament is it's a lot closer to the start of the season. So normally you have a, have a tournament and you, you have that month break. And then, yeah, and then you go into the season, just the way, you know, the, the dates of, of work now, maybe with the, the Men's World Cup being in the middle of the season. I think there is, yeah, there's a feel-good factor. There was in the past in the tournaments I mentioned, but the fact that, like, the season starts a week later, I just think makes it even more special. I think it's really exciting. Um, there's no doubt now that the Premier League, I think, is the you know the other leagues are struggling. Yeah, they're struggling, and that's not good. We don't we don't gain sort of pleasure from that, but they're struggling economically. They're struggling just generally to have the same sort of presence as the Premier League. The managers we now have in this league, we're now starting to see for the very first time some of the top players that ordinarily would go and play different teams in sort of Spain in particular, they're actually coming now to England because they see it's a fantastic place to play football. It's where the best football is. It's where the money is as well. So, I, you know, that's not something we should glorify too much, but we are in a great, we are in great shape. Have you had a nice, have you had a nice break? Have you, have you, have you relaxed from football a little bit? I know you're still from each other. on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's another thing. Are you excited to get back into it? Is it that point now where you get to the point in the season where you're like, I can't wait to go and analyse some stuff. I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see that board. I can't wait to pick players up, move them around and, and really kind of dive, deep dive into football now. I feel like it's a little bit too early to have him back in my life. <laughs> a little bit. You know, a couple more weeks have been nice, wasn't it? Yeah. But, we are where we are, we know why we're doing it, because of the World Cup, obviously, in, um, in Qatar in, at Christmas, and we have to bring it forward. But once we get into it, you know, Friday night, Crystal Palace for Arsenal, it'll be an, a brilliant atmosphere, brilliant game, and, um, you know, you just jump straight back into it, and you're looking forward to it. You? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you said it all. <laughs> Thanks for that. It was an amazing end to last season, so we've got to talk about the champions. Obviously, they've strengthened, they've had a busy summer, you know, players coming and going. I want to just jump straight into the Haaland chat. How dangerous does it make this side? Because it, it's scary for, I'm sure you guys sat there thinking, do, they, do, we really want, do we really want them to have, they've played for no striker for so long and now they've got one of the greatest prospects in football. 
I, I, I look at it a little bit differently, not in terms of like it's not, I think it's a brilliant sign enough just for Man City. I think it's a brilliant sign of the Premier League, like what Gary said, because normally you'd, you'd see a player like that, he'd go to Madrid or Barcelona. And I almost think he, he's, he's a player to be embraced, embraced by all of us. Wow, we've got Haaland in our league, we're going to be watching him, we're going to be analysing him. And I've said this before, I, I don't think it's a game changer for Man City because they already get 95 points, so they, they've, I think they got 100 points one season, maybe three years ago. Will he make them better? He'll make them different. He will score 25, 30 goals, maybe more, of course he will. But when you say they, they won the league without a striker, but that then gives you maybe more possession, more control of the game. Maybe they'll have less of that this season. It might be a different city. Uh, but, but to have Haaland there, I think, is really special. The, the one thing I would say about Haaland at City, though, is City are unique in that they're so different to... You think every other team, I think, even possibly in Europe, where we know teams now play a lot more technical, they play a lot more football, but no one plays it like City. And they're probably a little bit slower, more structured, more technical. And the only thing I would say is, Haaland's come from a league, the Bundesliga, which is very counter-attack, very end-to-end. -end. And when you see Haaland run on a 20, 30-yard burst, it's like, wow. You're just like, well, you know, you've seen the videos of him. And it's just whether you'd see that as much in the Man City team just yeah. because of the way they play than maybe you would do if he was in another team. So that, that, these are just things that intrigue me, interest me, something that we can analyse. And, and there are a few sort of maybe question marks how he'll fit into City, but you can't question the sign and all the quality of the player. Jerry, does, it, does, it, does it change them for the better? Does it change them at all? Do you agree with that? It's something they needed. And they had to take the they had to I mean they won the league last year, but they had to take the risk of signing a centre forward, you know. There were teething problems last weekend, the timing of obviously the way in which City play Jamie's just described, the timing of seeing his runs, when he runs, you know, particularly his movements in the box, but certainly as again his movements in behind defenders. There were moments last week where he did make movements in behind Liverpool's high line and they were he wasn't spotted. But I can't see how he's going to be anything other than sensational. I did say that, though, about Lukaku at Chelsea. I thought that, <laughs> I thought that was a no-brainer. Yeah. There is a small chance that, for some reason, Haaland's style doesn't suit City, that City's style doesn't suit Haaland's a small <laughs> chance. I just think the quality of players that are around him, he's committed, he's lived here before. So all those risks that you ordinarily talk about are big signing. He, you know, the only one really is injury, probably, with him. But I think that, for me, it, it, it can't not work. But I did think that about Lukaku at Chelsea. I just think the way in which City go about the business is unbelievable. To almost break even and bring in the yeah. three players they have. The boy Alvarez, if you speak to people at City or around here, they reckon he's going to be absolutely top class. And that scares me because these people, to be fair, are knowledgeable, the ones yeah. that you speak to. And that, that's a scary thing. So they let Sterling go because they think the boy Alvarez is... He's going to be a top player. They've got Haaland, and then they get Calvin Phillips, who's just almost like slipped in. And he's going to make them better as well. So, I, very difficult to see past City this season. That's very difficult. Steve, I'm going to come straight to you because I can see you grinning ear to ear. I've never seen so many teeth. No, I think you're right about Haaland in terms of like in the league. But I think, I guess, the way that City fans would see him is probably makes some games a little bit easier, you know, in terms of you get the second and third goal quicker because that's what he brings to the team. And I guess in that instance, 
when it gets to the, the, the business end of the season, maybe some players are a little bit more rested because we kill games off a little bit early. You're right in terms of the point tolls. I'm not expecting us to get 100 points again just because we've signed Haaland. But I think there'll be the odd game like that where it's 1-0 uh, and we're just trying to find the last minute's bit of tension. Are you killing games off in five minutes instead of... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that makes a difference, man. But then again, we look at the Real Madrid, don't we? And that's, that's where Haaland's been signed for, to finish those kind of games. I, I heard Pep say we won't change and of course City yeah. won't change yeah. I saw that too. but do you think it's important that City adapt to Haaland and vice versa yeah. he's got to adapt the other way because what you don't want to do is almost Haaland as, as any City centre forward would do you know the ball getting played across six yards and he taps it and that's great of course you, you've got that playing to be a great goal scorer but I think there's so much more to Haaland's game in terms of you know those runs that power yeah. where you just see it it's just like when you watch it on TV it just like you know takes your breath away so Ujit, what can they do? Because there was, was a little bit of frustration that like Gary mentioned, I think, from Kevin De Bruyne with sort of not quite getting the timing right. And, and of course, City weren't up to speed. He's only played two pre-season games before the weekend. How, how do you see that moving forward in terms of who has to adapt to who? I think fundamentally, like, the, the football will stay the same. It's Pep style. And I think that's what he's getting at, really. We're going to pass it around still. He's going to have to expect to link up as well. But I do think, naturally, when you've got a presence like Haaland, like, people orbit around him anyway because he's such a wonderful footballer that we will naturally adapt to our game and the players will adapt to his runs because they'll see him. People like Kevin De Bruyne are intelligent enough to play a pass in a slightly different way if Haaland requires it because ultimately they want what's best for the team. And you look at De Bruyne, I mean, I think he was frustrated because, you know, the team were losing against Liverpool and it was just one of those things. But I think, yeah, we'll sort of, the players will notice his runs, they'll pick him out a little bit more. And I kind of thought there was some promising signs against Liverpool. I know we missed that sitter, which he was going to, but... But I thought the runs were actually quite intelligent. The amount of times he should have been freed in behind the defence was like it wasn't like he had a quiet game actually. You know, to, to be honest, I, I, did, I didn't look at the, the game and think almost laugh at Haaland for missing chances. I was a little bit worried from a Liverpool point of view, thinking on a normal day he scores two there. You, you <laughs> probably should laugh when he missed that. <laughs> yeah, I know, but what I mean yeah. is on a normal yeah, right, day, should have, on done, a normal yeah. day he scores two. His little laugh at the end as well was like, I think he's not the kind of person who's going to be too bothered by a miss. You know, he struck me as like, nah, it is what it is, isn't it? But yeah, he's, he's, he's got them eyes, hasn't he? He's, yeah, he's... There, he's, there, was, there, was that, there was that one in the first half where he got the shot away, where he lent on Robertson, yeah. and I thought, ooh. <laughs> That's, you know, when you think yeah. you're playing against a player, against a brilliant defender like Robertson, in that channel with Van Dijk, I don't see many people going in that channel and getting joy. I just thought he's lent on him and got his shot away, and I thought, that'll go in, Anfield. That'll go in at yeah. a game, you know, and you'll think... I, I was a little bit like you. I thought that game could easily have been 3-1, 4-1 the other way, you know what yeah. I mean, in, in a different day. I think it's just one of those things, as soon as he gets his first goal, you'll see it in his eyes and he won't care at that point. And like, I think as well, you, you forget, we don't forget, I guess, but he's, he's the son of a former professional footballer and like, the pressure doesn't mean anything to him. It's his whole life, you know. I can imagine growing up around football and obviously Alfie was, you know, he's international, he played in the Premier League and so on. It's just, it's normal for him. So I don't really think he'll feel the pressure because it's just his life, basically. So I think he's going to be a success. And I don't think that's just me being a City fan. I think it's just pretty obvious, really. We will create the chances and he will score goals. And, um, and I can't wait to see it, man. I can't wait to see it. Last season, we had a title race, didn't we, obviously? And I think Liverpool were absolute absolute break, giving everything there to hang in there with them to the end. I'm not sure. Honestly, it wouldn't surprise me if this season if they do win it by a, a big amount of points. I was, I was going to no, say... Right, right. Clips, ladies and gentlemen. That's the one you wanted. There you go. We're here at the Victoria Warehouse and I've done it again. I was going to say, City, we can all agree, have got better, which is a scary thought. 
have Jamie, have Liverpool got better? Because it, it was close. I, listen, you say, you say City have got better and Liverpool have Liverpool got better. We don't know until the season starts. I've I, I done a newspaper column and I was talking about Haaland. Haaland could score 30 goals and they still don't win the league. And it's happened in the past with great strikers. Jimmy Greaves going back a long way. Gary Lineker at Everton. Uh, even Shearer going to Newcastle. Sort of, they finish second, you think. They buy the best striker in the world. It still doesn't happen. It, it didn't happen for Haaland at Borussia Dortmund. Even though he scored a goal a game. He didn't get any closer to Bayern Munich, so he can still do his job and City might be slightly different. We don't know about Liverpool no, on being pa- better. On, pa- on paper, though, you're making a prediction now. I'd say City have got stronger. I don't think your hand on heart could say that Liverpool have got stronger because obviously Mane's no, unbelievable. But we don't know what Nunes is going to no, be no. like. We don't know. I do think we need left back. That's the one thing. As we're recording this, City have just got two full-backs, Walker and Cancelo. And could be Sol Zinchenko. We were meant to try and get Cucurella. Who knows? Maybe we'll end up getting him. But I do think City are a little bit weak defensively there. So it's just it's just too much. We've got the young young lad, Joshua Wilson Esbrand, he looks promising. He's a kid. I, I don't think you can say that I don't think you can say that Liverpool are going to be weaker. But you can definitely say I think City are going to be the equal of last season, if not better. The point I'm saying is that both teams are going to be different. So Liverpool have never played with Klopp with a big centre forward. Uh, even Pep, he, obviously he played with Aguero a lot, of course he did. But for the last couple of years, they haven't really played with a striker. So they're going to have to adapt. So they're going to be slightly different. They're still going to be the two best teams. They're still going to be the teams competing for the title. But we don't know how far away. Will they drop five or six points? Will they gain five or six points? There's I don't think there'll be a massive drop-off. There's also the issue of preparation. You look on Liverpool won the league. They started stronger and they stayed strong in the league. was basically what no one admitted it until, obviously, United at Anfield. But that was one three months into the season, really, because we go to Villa Park and win late. City managed to keep a point, and then we play City just after that and win. And that's when the yeah. gap really starts yeah. to form. If City can't hit the ground running, that, I think that's what Liverpool's mission will be, and we'll know. I think we'll know probably by the end I of mean, September. I, I, I think, that might be I think the two things... Man City favourites, I think most people in the room would think City would win the league. I think the, the, there's a couple of things that I'm maybe hanging on to with Liverpool is the fact that I, I think... Once Virgil van Dijk was up to speed last season, yeah. you got the first sort of three or four months out of the season. In the second half of the season, him and the goalkeeper <coughs> were absolutely... or what you would expect them to be and what they've been for the last three or four years. I think if you're getting them at their best at the very sort of start of the season... Don't forget, every season van Dijk's been at Liverpool a full season. Liverpool have got over 90 points. And the other thing is that Liverpool have got sort of three or four top players. I don't know about City, to be honest. It might be the same. Not going the World Cup. Yeah. So Diaz is not okay. going, uh, Salah's not going. Haaland's not going. Well, Haaland, well, yeah, that's, well, no, that's fair enough. I don't really know, know City, that. but there's a few decent players sort of from Liverpool who I think, you know, could that make a difference in the second half of the season? Are you but, a little bit worried about losing a little bit of depth off the bench? I mean, he's like, he like a Rigi, like what he does for you at times. Well, I mean, the they've, brought, they've brought younger players in now. Uh, so, you know, players have to move on at a certain stage. I mean, I actually think Liverpool have got more depth than City. When you actually yeah, look you at lost, City... You lost Mane. You lost Mane, Minamino and Narigi. That's three forward players. I'm not saying that, they, you know, Minamino was... But you've, you're, I always thought Origi was something in the season. Oh, of course. He, he was a sub. He, he couldn't start a game. He, no. he, you'd tear your head out with him <laughs> at starting a game. But coming off the bench, he, he was something special. And have Liverpool got something to replace that? I'm not sure, but Cavalio's done well, hasn't he? In the, yeah, in the, season, the young player from Fulham. He's a bit of an X factor, I think. I think he's gone under the radar. Whether he's going to be nailed on first game of the season, playing week in, week out, he won't be. But that's what Liverpool have got this season in terms of the depth. Liverpool can start the first five, six games of the season if they want without playing any of the new lads. You know, you might, Darwin Nunes might not start a game for Liverpool for, for August because they don't need to. 
because they have still got that quality. Obviously, Jota being out hampers that a little bit. But you look at the terms of the attacking options, look, there's never going to be a genuine other study for Mo Salah because there can't be. But then you've got three lads who can play centre-forward there in Nunes, Firmino and Jota when he's fit. You've got Diaz still off the left. Jota can do jobs off the left. Carvalho looks like he can play left side. He can play as the false nine. He's been playing left side of the midfield three as well. Harvey Elliott's now back and fully fit and looks like he's gotten over that psychological hump of coming back from that, <laughs> Are that you injury. Are the midfield? I, no, they're not. I, I think Liverpool, if you go, if you, I think, I think Liverpool would still do with someone in midfield, not in terms of numbers-wise, in terms of quality-wise. And I think, notoriously, what, how Liverpool have done the transfers and under Klopp, they wait for who they want. When they didn't get Van Dijk that time, they waited. They, they give it to January. I mean, most fans were saying, you've got to go and buy another centre-back. No, they don't panic. Even when they, all the centre-backs got injured in the, in the same season, in the January, they brought like a couple of uh, centre-backs in, but on loan. They didn't buy anyone because they didn't get who they wanted, which was Canati, and they waited. And I just think Liverpool, they're not daft. I think they think, you know, the, the, the first choice midfield three for Liverpool now was quite old, and really all three together, getting into the 30s. But Liverpool are prepared to wait, and I think that's one of the reasons why they're so good in the transfer market. So they must have someone lined up next summer. There's been a lot of furore about Haaland being the signing of the season, but Skybet Fan Hope Survey actually puts Raheem Sterling to Chelsea <laughs> as the, the best signing of the season. Haaland, a close second. There's only, there's only 1% in it. So, now, still good. Was Sterling the right buy for a team? Because, uh, and I know, you both, I know you both quite like him, but he, there, there, there is this... Quite like him. I think he's brilliant. Oh, yeah. I think he's amazing. I, 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 I was, I, obviously, the year left on his contract, I think City actually wanted to keep him, didn't they? City yeah, did. we wanted to, to be honest, we didn't really push any of Zichenko, Jesus or Sterling. They're all this. They had one year left. Well, yeah, two, I, two of the forwards did and they wanted to go. So I just, I the, the Sterling and Mane ones have just surprised me a little bit because I just think if you're at Liverpool and City at the moment well, and actually well, you're, they're often you're an extension or they would do or they want to keep you, why would you go? But it's a bit, it's surprising. Look, he'll find it harder at Chelsea, a lot harder because he's playing, not playing with as good a team. Um, it's a good signing. It's a good sign. It's a very good signing. But Chelsea, I think, are going to have a little bit of a bumpy season with everything that's going on. They're not as smooth in the transfer market. They're a little bit more clumsy. I think losing... I, I'm surprised they lost all their football operation yeah. in the first year. It was unbelievable that. You know, losing everybody that had been sort of, if you like, so good and efficient at building, you know, doing well in the recruitment and on the transfer market. The American guy, Bowley, looks like he wants to play football manager. There's a bit of something that in him, you know, he is he's wandering around a little bit and they're a bit panicky now. You're wondering, oh, they're coming in for De Jong this morning because he feels like he has to do something. That pressure is on him. He wouldn't have had that pressure if he'd have kept the people that have been there before and just let them operate for a year or two. But it'll be an interesting season for Chelsea. Obviously, they've lost a few defenders as well. They might even lose more to Barcelona. Sorry, Ben, we'll come to you now because... Yeah. Are you happy? Are you excited? I mean, there's, there's a bit of doom and gloom going on on, on the sofa. Well, we're, not, we're not really being talked about, obviously, like Man City and Liverpool. Um, the only thing I'll say about Sterling is, and the reason I'm so happy about it is because he is a proven Premier League goalscorer, which you can't really see, and you know, everybody else has shopped abroad. So I think we've strengthened in that area. The only thing that really concerns me, I mean, I think the owner wants to make a good impression. I'm not sure he wants to play football manager. I think he wants to show that he wants to compete by making these good sign-ins. Um, but I think... Injuries will be an issue because if we lose our right and our left wing backs in Ben and Reese again, that's sort of all when it where it all went downhill. I know we're linked to um, yeah, same as you, um, which would be a good sort of um, backup. But 
for the I moment. I don't understand that one. I mean, I don't really. I mean, I guess in case Ben goes out injured, well, right? that's Isn't the only I, thing I can think. Pardon? You play centre back as well, Cucurella. He's playing yeah, a bit I mean, of Brighton. So. We've got Kunali no, anyway. It just, it, it feel, I mean, I, I'm a little bit more with, with Gary in that. It's copying it just, though, isn't it? To I think I think <laughs> the way most football clubs are run now, it's a lot more organised, a lot more sort of you know who you want. There's not sort of these panic things that used to happen in the past and people are just going by and you'd, you'd look at it and I, I look at a couple of things Chelsea do and I'm just thinking <coughs> is it a panic in that because you haven't bought someone you're going to we've got to get someone yeah it does seem and, a little bit like you, that you Ben Chilwell for 50 million yeah, and fun. then you're trying to get another left back you didn't, you didn't want him a month ago you want him now he's definitely playing football manager I mean look let's be clear one they're reacting to what's available and what other clubs are doing secondly you hear his name too much and he's too prominent you know you look at what City and Liverpool are doing Bagheerastan at City Right, is their sporting director. Some people might not even know that. Some people do know that, but some people... You never even hear him, never even see him, but they get the business done quickly and efficiently. When clubs are working well, you don't hear who's signing the players. They just sign them. Chelsea have got that sort of Man United under the glazes, Ed Woodward. Well, yeah, but... I'm taking over, I'm the man now, I'm going to go out and basically get the players, and then the link with... Every player that Barcelona wants, every player that City wants, every player that United wants, they're almost like bouncing around because he, he feels like he has to do something. So when I say football manager, that's why I say it. I'm hearing his name too much. It, it feels like... I'm not just being... He, you know, he's a prominent guy. He's just bought the club and everything. He's, he's fronted a fund that's paid two and a half billion quid. But to get rid of all that football operation that's been unbelievable for that many years and come in and do it yourself... Well, yeah, does, they have been, they have been very cutthroat. It does feel a bit like Ed Woodward, that to me. It does feel a bit Woodwoody. Yeah, they have been a bit cutthroat, but we're not going to... We're not going to... We're not going to know. We're, we're not going to know what sort of owner he is until the season no, no. starts, until we'll, we've we'll had like a full season. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But as far as I can tell, we've got Koulibaly. We're linked with him for years. So great, like, I'm, I'm happy. He's a great um, centre-back. And then we've got a proven Premier League goal scorer. So I can't really ask much more at the minute. Like I said, the only thing I'm worried about is injuries at the minute. And I hope, and I probably think towards deadline day, we'll, we'll maybe make a couple signings just in case. I just, I just want to say, I, I, from, you know, I think everybody on these sofas are not really worried about Chelsea next season. I'm more concerned with Arsenal than I am Chelsea. That's just really stupid. <laughs> it's not, though, because there's the what... <laughs> Cheers, Matt. Are you concerned about United? Yeah. yeah. I think United will have a better season than Chelsea. I do. Wow. I, I actually Excuse think... Excuse me? I don't. What, what, what's, what's crazy? What, why, it's what? totally nuts. No, it's not how nuts. It's not. How, can, how can Spurs not be worried about Chelsea? I know, it's crazy, isn't it? I'm that's, not. That's rude. Well, you should be. Why should you be? Every few years, you haven't won nothing crazy. for years. I'm not think of winning the league. <laughs> why should, why should we win anything? I do, think Chelsea have to, I do think Chelsea have to prove themselves all over again. I mean, it, it took me many years, and even getting onto television, <clears> and even when I was first on television, to the idea of how Chelsea do it and the model, Looking back over Abramovich's ownership, I know at the end it's been repulsive what obviously has happened, but if you look back over that period of time, what an unbelievably successful, efficient model he's developed in the end, and the hard and the ruthless and the brutal. This guy comes in, looks a little bit green and a little bit naive. He's certainly not as smart as the people that Abramovich has had. Depends, depends which way he's going to go. Yeah, so like, Roman, just, there, was like, there was just no leeway at all. No. You're gone but, if you're not good But enough. now I'm not quite sure where this is going. So yeah, you're right, we should wait and see. I know, but I think you should be... This fellow's obviously had teams, but I know he's in a different league and that, but he must be a pretty smart guy, what he's done. In America, in terms of it being involved in sports, and I don't. That's like saying the Glazer family won the Super Bowl, but the smart guys and over here they can come in. They're having an absolute nightmare over here. Mm. There's not another owner on the planet that will be as good for Chelsea as Abramovich was. They're a different football club now. It's a different. That's what I'm saying. They've got, they've got, they've got, they've well. got to prove themselves yeah. again. I think I, I, I kind of, I wouldn't say they're not a threat, 
I definitely, like you said, we're worried least about Chelsea. But I have to say, I mean, I was over in Florida last week when we played Chelsea and they just didn't see themselves. It's something that, even though they had Sterling playing, um, Koulibaly looks a player, but something just didn't seem right. Talking about all the players wanting to leave and stuff. Yeah, something's not right. It just it don't feel right. You pick that vibe up with something's not quite right. Are Chelsea in your top four? Oh, he's having to think about it. That's not good. That's no, it's, it's not a guarantee. I, I, I think they'd be, be in a fight with Arsenal. Yeah, I was going to talk about Arsenal because I, I think that Arsenal have been quite shrewd and, and made some great signings. I think Edu has yeah. got to clap Edu because Zinchenko and Jesus look to be great signings. Do you think that Arsenal can then now push on? Because Spurs are better as well. I, I think with Arsenal... We spoke last season about it being a big chance in, and they've now got European football. I know it's not what they wanted, but it, it's how they deal with that sort of more games this season. So they had a big advantage last year. But the two positions that they filled just stood out like a mile last season when you were watching Arsenal. I mean, Lacazette had done a decent job for Arsenal for a number of years, but I mean, they just needed someone there. I think Jesus is a brilliant sign, I really do. And I think Zinchenko, I mean, I think the left-back position probably cost you last season in terms of getting into the top four. I think of those games towards the end of the season, Crystal Palace away the final one, I think at Newcastle. I think Tavares played left-back there. And uh, he just, he wasn't up to the level. You, you know that better than he's me. Raw. And he's raw. Pardon? He's raw. He was, he's yeah. green. Yeah, yeah, he was. And I just think that those two positions have been really filled strongly with really, really good players. Now, I don't think that guarantees you being in the top four because I think it's so difficult now. But I... I've always liked Arteta and what he's been trying to do at Arsenal. I, even though you've never sort of got to the top four, it's, I can understand, you know, the young players, I can mm. understand where it's trying to go, but to compete with sort of City and Liverpool now, the money that Manchester United have, Chelsea spend as well, it is difficult. But yeah. I, I do sort of like the signings. When before I'm questioning Chelsea, because sometimes they're, they're going after players, I'm thinking, I can't quite work that out where that's going. But with Arsenal, I can almost, yeah, whether you get there or not, but I can... I like it. Yeah, I mean, the first thing I'll say about Arsenal, right, is that for me, Percy, for the first time in about 10 years, I feel that this team is going into the season prepared. Mm. We look ready. We look hungry. We, we're, the, the way we're playing, the patterns of play, I've seen all the pre-season games. We look... And listen, you can't just go for pre-season. Um, but we look ready. We look ready going into that game against Crystal Palace at the, um, on Friday night. And I think we're building, you know, I was looking back this morning at like uh, some of the signings we've had over the recent years under when we had Sven Mislintat in. And those signings in comparison to the signings we're making now, there's no comparison. And I think Jesus is going to be one of the surprise signings of the season. Um, he's, he's better than I thought he was. Yeah, I'm, he, you I'm, know, already he, I'm already he surprised fits. by him. Yeah, I mean, we said at the end of the season on the, the game at, at sort of Newcastle when he's missed out in the top four, it could be tough for Mikel Arteta next season, almost that, what is he, three years in then? Yeah. Do you, would there be pressure for Arsenal fans if he didn't get the top four next season or you, was a, you were a little bit out of it halfway through a season? I think there will be pressure, yeah. I think we look on it now and we think, I don't know if you... Yeah, well there's, there's pressure definitely, but yeah. I think people have got high expectations now. They're expecting yeah. not only to compete in Europa League but to win it. And then, of course, battle for that top four. But it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. But I think there's a, there's a really good vibe around the club. Mm. Um, I think the fans are right behind him. And 
I like the signings and I like what he's doing at the moment. That's and um, which makes, yeah. which makes yeah. a massive difference from the outside looking in. Every other, every other, the other top four challenging clubs. I think, and it's why I think Spurs will do well. By the way, is because they've got a similar thing too. You guys look like you're on a progression. Yeah. But it, it does feel like it's like it's all or not on this season. I don't know whether Alteta gets it more beyond. But look at United are still United are crying for no, but United are crying out for stability. Chelsea's stability's just been completely taken from, from out from under them. Yeah. I, I you know, Arsenal look like the ones who they've got a plan, they're coherent, they're buying the right players, they've got a nice vibe. I think this will be the season where Arteta will get people and fans on board with him, not just Arsenal fans that are not on board with him yet, but fans from other clubs as well, because this is the season where he's going to show himself and prove himself what he wants to do with the football club. I, I actually hope so. I, I genuinely do. I just worry about the experience in terms of obviously... Young Here man. he goes again on Arteta. Lack of experience. <laughs> <laughs> he knows better than anyone about the lack of experience in management. Lack of experience. To be fair, it's not unfounded. The evidence, is yeah. there, the evidence is there staring us in the face. Last season, Arsenal should have finished in the top four, but at the end, the experience of Conte, the experience of the Spurs players. Mm -hmm. To be fair, in that game at um, the Tottenham Stadium, when to be fair, uh, you know, the Spurs experience on that night, it was alarming how naive Arsenal were and how short they were. Now, my concern is just purely around the fact. I know Chelsea and United are struggling a little bit in terms of where they are, and they, they might both blow up. But they'd have to, I think, for Arsenal to get into the top four because. The experience is still not there, either off the pitch or on the pitch. But well, he's been he's been in a job three years now, and, but, I, and I think a lot no, of like, on the pitch though, at the difficult moments, who in that team? Those you. That's why they're both that's, 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 that's what. Yeah, I, I think with that. I've watched. I've watched. I think with Zinchenko, Gary Wright. I've, I've watched Zinchenko. Zinchenko's not a leader. I yeah. love him to bits. Well, he's the captain of Ukraine. He's not watched the last game. He's not a leader. He's not a leader. He's the captain of Ukraine, isn't he? All right, okay. He's he's captain of is he, he going to, at the difficult moments in the now, season, what, be able to pull it all together? But he might do. What, 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 I'd, what I'd say is this, Gary, right? I, I, I think we've brought in some players that are Premier League-ready players, right? They, that, you know, in a player like that, Jesus... I like, I like the window. I like yeah, it. It's so, top four, though. I like it. I like I, everything you've done. Yeah, you've if, done. If, if those sort of players would have been playing towards the end of last season, we would have got top four. And, that's, and, and those are the type of players we let. You said already about the players like Nuno Tavares, very young, hungry, very young, inexperienced player that was playing at the time. You know, if it would have been a Zinchenko in that game, it might have been a bit different. So I do feel, feel that these signings have been very smart, intelligent signings and signings that are Premier League ready. But let's and not forget, sorry, that Arsenal once were invincible. Arsenal's players that were here last that were there last season, they'll have been burnt a little bit by what happened in terms of that falling away at the end. So have they got enough experience when they hit that same situation again, when they're under pressure with 10 games to go, who is going to get them over the line on the pitch to make sure that they don't do the same thing again? And that moment will come because I think you'll be absolutely vying for third and fourth. So yeah. I, I just think it, that's when Arsenal in the past have just... Yeah. I'll give a shout for one other player as well, Saliba, mm. who's come back. Could be, could be a um, game changer. He's, he's looked really, really good what? in pre-season. I don't mind. And I, and I, I think Gabriel Jesus is a great signing. He'll score goals. But is he the guy to lead an Arsenal team when the pressure's on? People are asking for Champions League football. I just don't see that. With I'm not convinced But he was playing for Man City. So was Zinchenko. so comfortable at Manchester City. They can come off the bench, score a goal. Yeah, but now he's the main man. Now they're going to get the pressure on him. Arsenal fans booing him every other week. I can't see it. I can't see it. You were booing Ronaldo at the weekend. You were booing Ronaldo, yeah. That was soon, not booing. 
right? Yeah, right. It's soon not boo. Adam, Adam, we're going to come back to you. I know you've got a lot to say on United, but talk about Prem Ready players. Yeah. Richarlison. What, one more thing, just on Arsenal, because I've been itching to say it, right? Here we go, here we go. It's all right, don't worry. Look, no one is talking about the fact that they've spent 220... So, what, what, you don't like this fact? £223 million pound more than they've recruited in two, no, three transfer windows. Let that us is, spend some money. No, I know. When no, we don't play, spend money, but you get... should be talking about winning the league, not qualifying for the we, top we, four. We, that no, but you have that to is, be realistic. Robbie, right? and we've, I, I said that it's earlier. I said, you I can't said, do that for three or four. This is, this is, of course you, it's not sustainable. And I said, we've been doing some poor signings. It's all about rectifying that. It's all about learning from your mistakes. Expectations is very low. We could talk about this all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, say it. Go on, say it. <laughs> Where's Roy? Talk about Richardson. Uh, yeah, I just think it's, a, it's, it's pretty much um, a statement signing because teams like Spurs typically don't buy quality players to back up the already quality players we have in that position. A lot of Adam was talking earlier about. You know, Richarlison's not even going to play, but that's the point. It's having a £50 million player of significant quality who scored one in three goals in the Premier League for a team that nearly got relegated in Everton. Having that quality off the pitch is crucial if you want to be taken seriously in the Premier League. So it is a statement signing, even if he doesn't get into our first... I, don't, I, just, I, I just don't... I hear people say that your, your summer's been the best summer ever on all these kind of things. Tottenham's summer, yeah. I think better Basuma's than Man United. A, no, I think your best, but any yeah. summer's been better. Yeah, than better than yours. Um, Basuma's, Basuma's a fantastic signing, but how much Thank is you. your first 11 genuinely improved? I don't think you've improved but it isn't. It's not necessary. Fraser Foster, we're getting excited about that now. Jed Everyone Spence, needs a good backup keeper. He could be good. Richarlison, I think his head will crack once he's not starting for a few I, I, I think, I think Perisic... You're being harsh. I think you're being harsh. Perisic, Perisic. Perisic is older than you, isn't he? He should have came to the Premier League. I've got Spurs finishing third in my head because of Perisic, Pesuma and Richarlison added to what they've already got. In my head... So those are the type of players that Spurs have made that you're saying Arsenal haven't made that can push them further on than what they did last season. They've already got Harry Kane, Son, who are world-class. They've got two world-class players. You can't deny your windows. They've now added to it Perisic and Richarlison. Well, that's mean, it, that's it. This is what I want to say to you. Is it's the, it's co it's the, having Conte there, a different manager, if it was Nuno with these signings, I wouldn't be anywhere near as excited. But Conte has proven almost every part of his career, what every club he's been to, apart from the latter part of his Chelsea career, that he's been, he's been incredible. And why can't he do that again at I Spurs? Think, People Tottenham, are caught up in Tottenham, I think Tottenham and what we've done previously rather than what we are. They won't, they won't finish above Liverpool, but they could. If Liverpool just... Somehow wobble, get an injury to Van Dijk. I'm saying second. Tottenham could. Tottenham are the only club I think that could just potentially, and it's a it's a high risk level. It's because of Conte. I, I, I'm a massive fan of Conte, and I think it's brilliant to have him in the Premier League. But one thing I would say, I think what could stop Tottenham is if he's do okay in Europe. Because if you look at Conte's record, even when he was at Chelsea, yeah. it was when he had no Europe, and he's, he's got them for the full week training the way he trains you know how tough the training is but I think his record if there's a lot of games coming in Europe I think for sure. it's a lot more difficult he, he, did, he did a treble into Milan is that right I remember that right he, scored, he, won a, he won a fair few trophies can, can, I, can I ask the Arsenal fans on this question do you think you will finish above Tottenham honestly this season I, I, I think um, it's yes very, or no <laughs> um, I think I was going to say I think it's very even yes 
I think... Commit to it, Robbie. Commit to it. Commit to it. Listen, last season, they finished above us by one point. And after we lost three very winnable games. One point, yeah. And we... The reason you lost... They have... This Nuno thing, right? Because they strengthened and we've strengthened, right? And everyone's getting carried away. In one point, they finished above us. It wasn't the same league as Conte. How many points we finished above you is how you collapsed. No, yeah, that's the only reason you can't fix it. That was the only reason you got it. Oh, let's not start. Saying that Spurs have got backbone. <laughs> oh my God! The amount of times you throw it, was it away. This close. That's got to be proven this season. I, I, I remember. I remember last season we lost to Brighton, right? The very next week you lost yeah. to Brighton. You exactly. know what I mean? It was, it was really what, because what we. It was we fell apart, but we by signing Gabriel Jesus. Oh, hold on, but we, you can't. Team, you can't. Right. You can't say it was awful. You lose two games and I'm sorry. Down. You can't say that a team that just scraped top four because they've got a world class Harry Kane and Son are now going to jump to second place. All I saw was Arsenal collapse. That's all I saw. You're not going to jump. You can't fix You are. You are correct, right? You are correct. We did collect. That was the only reason you got the top four by one point. So you know, oh, oh, that's what I'm asking. With your great yeah. manager, if, if gonna Conte win? can give Spurs a backbone, is Conte going to be here at the end of the season? Can make United challenge at least for top four. Surely that, that shouldn't be out of out of the question, right? Hundred percent. I think Man United go into the season with a better manager than what they started last season with in terms of, of Oli and and then uh, the manager that came after that. So I think they start in in, in a better position in terms of in the dugout. Uh, I, I like the way he's came across in, in pre-season. He's not the most charismatic in, in a press conference. You know, that's just his nature, the way he is. But he seems, you know, very serious, studious guy. He knows how he wants United to play. They've had a decent pre-season. But, you know, for him and for any manager, you need to get the recruitment right and players in. I know that's always been a question for United, but, you know, at this moment, there's probably still not enough that's come in, but, you know, there's still time. With Tenar, we saw, you've seen videos maybe clipped up on social, Ronaldo, but we're not listening to Ten Hag when he's giving him advice. He left the game early. How important is Ronaldo staying for the mentality of the club, for everything that's going on there? If they get rid of him, is that, is that the right thing to do in terms of getting kind of somebody like that out of the dressing room, especially if things are going to go not as well as you'd hope when they're trying to gel first six games of the season? I, I think I would, I would go back to Ten Hag and say that I think he's had a really impressive start, confident start, in spite of the fact that his star player is playing up and he's not been supported off the pitch by an operation that can get him the players he wants. So if you said to me two months ago that Manchester United would have Fred and McTominay in midfield, who I like both of them individually, I think they give their all for Manchester United, and we'd have Martial up front, who to be fair, every Manchester United fan, every Manchester United coach had written off as being leaving and wouldn't even be here, but he's now our centre forward for the season. I'd say that, to be fair, the manager is being given a pretty tough hand. You know, you talk about what all these clubs we've got here, obviously United on in, Chelsea, they bring Sterling in, uh, City bring Haaland, Nunes goes to Liverpool, and then you've got Manchester United, who basically can't get a player through the door. I know they've signed Martinez, um, but they can't... Because some of them don't want to come. The problem is, look, there's two things about the transfer market for Manchester United this summer that have concerned me. One is the fact that the old failings still seem to be there in terms of not being able to get anything over the line. I'm a little bit worried about the reliance upon the Dutch market because it tells me that the club's strategy and the recruitment department, they wouldn't have been looking at Dutch players if it wasn't for the manager, to be fair, who's coming, who's Dutch, who knows them. And the, to be fair, signings from the Dutch league, they can work, but they're not as sure as 
fix as, to be fair, other leagues in Europe. So I'm a little bit concerned just about the strategy. Um, I think every Manchester United fan, to be fair, is a little bit tired of us. I said this about Sancho, and it's the same now with De Jong. It gets to the point where by a signing that should be sort of an excitement for the club becomes... Drags some, on too long. It drags on that long that actually, in the end, you actually, you actually lose excitement for the signing. It almost becomes a little bit of an embarrassment. And it's still happening. So I'm really concerned about the, 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 the fact that they can't get signings over the line still. I'm really concerned about the fact that they've got their star player. And you mentioned Ronaldo. But we'll be really clear, Ronaldo's achievements in football go beyond anything that, to be fair, anybody could ever wish for and imagine. He'll go down in the top players of all time and always will be. And what happens this summer at Manchester United will be forgotten about in 20 years. But it's unpalatable for me to watch as an ex-Manchester United captain, an ex-Manchester United senior player, and thinking that at this moment in time, the star player in the dressing room is playing up. It happened at times over the last few years where you had Pogba's agent, not necessarily Pogba all the time, but his agent always playing up with the club. You can't have your star player in a club running the shop. You cannot have it. So when Sir Alex Ferguson potentially in the past moved players on, it was because that player was needed to be moved on. I, I know Manchester United fans want Ronaldo to stay, but if Ronaldo wants to leave, Manchester United, in my mind, should facilitate that. The crew, Cristiano Ronaldo, look, last season, he was the silver lining in the cloud that was Manchester United. Going to watch United, it was an honour to be able to watch Cristiano Ronaldo again and score goals and all that. But this season, with the new manager starting, I've been on the pre-season tour, watching United train and play, and you see all these things and it feels quite positive, and you kind of get prepared for a fun season this season where we could maybe see some younger players implemented into the squad and possibly develop, and the football may be good to watch. Hopefully we get top four, something like that, and a trophy. That would be the aim. But you feel with this looming shadow of Cristiano Ronaldo at the moment, that, that has the potential to take away from it. I mean, I've, I always thought it was a bizarre signing. I always felt this situation would come. Even if Ronaldo did great for a year, he signed a two-year deal plus another year, which I couldn't believe. And He's never going to play second fiddle to anyone. But as players, at a certain stage of your career, we all know that you're not the same player. And his has gone on longer because he's such a great professional. But the fact he's now 37, 38 this season, He's not the same player. He's still a great goal scorer. He's not the same player. No other club in Europe at this moment wants him. I might be wrong, but you know it doesn't look like United can get him out. So at the moment, other clubs don't want him. And I think if you asked Ten Hag, I don't think he wants him. And I, I'm not quite sure the dressing room at Manchester United would want Cristiano Ronaldo right now. There's also a style thing. I mean, I've not been to a Manchester United game yet, but I was watching all the clips of the goals that were scored on the tour, and some of those goals that you were watching, you think. That's a that's that's they're unbelievable goals. They're not easy goals to score at any time in the season, let alone in pre-season when you've just had a manager who's been there a few weeks. I'm not sure they could actually score those type of goals and play that way that Ten Hag wants to play in terms of the high pressing. Well, we know he can't do that, and the way in which he wants to play on the ball. I'm not sure that actually Ten Hag. You said about I'm not sure Ten Hag would want him. I'm not sure he fits into the way in which. There was he... a moment in the game against Falacano where James Garner had the ball in midfield and he passed it to Ronaldo, and Ronaldo passed it back to him, and then he passed. And you know Ten Hag's asking for that ball now to probably be switched to a certain area, and it hasn't been. And it kind of was a moment where I just thought, are you ignoring those instructions on purpose as if to, you know, just to make it clear that I don't want to be here, I'll tweet and I'll post as if I, w I do want to be here and train. And I know it's like he did more with the fans pre-match, and it's kind of like you're giving us all the actions of, that you want to be here, but then on the pitch and when the manager's talking to you, it's 
kind of like you're just ignoring well, that, him completely. So that Saturday night, undermining. that Saturday night when they, when that statement came out that Cristiano Ronaldo wants to leave, and then the Monday morning was where I think something else came out. I don't, I'm not sure the club were even aware that that was the, the timing's horrible. It's the like, the yeah. You knew we weren't going to be in the Champions League in February. The timing, <laughs> you could have said it then. The timing was horrific coming into the start of the season. It undermined Ten Hag straight away. It meant that Ten Hag literally has had every single press conference now that he does just obliterated by the Ronaldo issue. I think, looking back, Pep, Klopp, Conte, Sir Alex Ferguson, if a player becomes the dominating factor and a distraction in a press conference for a manager, there's only one thing that has to happen. We all know it. We all know it. Should have included Arteta in that. Look how he dealt with those situations. <laughs> but, but you're right. We all applauded Mikel Arteta for losing Aubameyang. Absolutely, 100%. We backed him. We all supported him on that issue. Because so it's a similar case here, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, a way And you might have to go off. back to go forwards. You might mm. have to go... Because there's some Arsenal fans who would say, losing Aubameyang costs you the Champions League. Some Arsenal fans say that. Say that. Not you, maybe, but some say that. So you might have to go back to go forwards. And this season, Manchester United, they're going to go... They may have to go back without Ronaldo, not have a goal scorer, go back to Martial, which was unthinkable for me. Because, you know... I, He's a talented boy, but he's proven that he's not the centre-forward Manchester United need to take them forward, you know, in the long term. He's not. But do we rather have him this season, to be fair, committed, playing for his future, playing for his future in the game, let alone at Manchester United, than Ronaldo, who, to be fair, probably doesn't want to... Live. I, I woke up this morning, you saw that weather in Manchester this morning, it was horrendous one, it was raining everywhere, and I just thought, I remember him coming into the dressing room 15 years ago saying, this is shit. <laughs> <laughs> I remember him saying that 15 years ago when he was the best player in the world. Now he's saying it about the team. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's take a quick break because we've got to discuss uh, all the rest of the teams in the Premier League. So, let's chill. Well done. Back, back in a moment. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 